Well, hello, and welcome to episode 61 of the Carrier's Edge podcast. I am Mark Morell. I will be the host today, along with... Jane Tazarawi, the other host it today. Is, it is May. <laughs> it Spring is, is in the air. Sort of warm. It is warm. People are starting to think about summer. Vaccinations are going out. People are starting to think about being able to lift restrictions. It is a glorious world on this Friday afternoon. How's that for an opening? Yeah, that's very positive. Yeah, you Thank say, you. but I can see how far your eyebrows are raised. <laughs> the rolling of the eyes is... Yeah. Well, it did take you a long time to get all that positivity out. It must have been hard for you. Was it making your bones ache? I'm just so so full of positivity. It takes a while for it to all get out. I'm like a giant tanker of positivity. And it was all right, stuck like, in the Suez for a bit. And now it's been dislodged <laughs> and I have emitted all this great positivity into the world. Okay, so what are we talking about today? Besides your You don't immense... want to hear about my Suez tanker of positivity? <laughs> no, I do not. Phrases um, that did not exist. Suez tanker three, of positivity. Uh, three months ago, nobody was even thinking about tankers in the Suez Canal. Yeah. And even now, it's kind of old news. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering about what the unintended consequences of that Suez Canal thing would be. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know, but is there going to be something that, you know, happens down the road? It's like, oh, yeah, if that Suez Canal thing hadn't have happened, it would have been, you know, no one would have known about this. Well, there's positive and negatives for sure. The negatives that- are how much money the company is being liable for. But with the blockage, it's creating a lot of uh, chaos at the ports because those things are very finely tuned in their deliveries. And now they've got way more coming than expected or people having to wait to get unloaded and stuff. It's so weird how, you know, the last, I would say, decade has been all about fine tuning your just in time yep. delivery mechanisms. A couple of decades have been all about that. Yeah. And it's been this, you know, I don't want to have in things in stock that I don't have to have in stock and, you know, we can get things delivered so quickly. And the Suez Canal thing and the pandemic have basically said, you know, all your finely tuned systems. Ha ha ha. I laugh at your tuned systems. Yeah. Nobody has any cushion or any kind of uh, breakage in the process. And or- no backup. Really, there's no yeah. backup plan. There's nothing like, okay, we have to go to plan B now. So we all mm-hmm. just start going into this mode. And yeah, there is no, because the supply chain has so many different parts to it that, I mean, how would you, that's an immense. Well, it used to be that everybody had a little bit of extra sort of put away, put away for a rainy day, you know, supply and mm-hmm. inventory. And the cost was higher as a result. And everybody optimized all their stuff, got rid of all those backups, all of that extra inventory, extra cushion, and they have no ability to withstand any shock to the system. So they immediately go to government. That's what happened with the banks with the 2008 stuff is they were running right on the very edge of what they could manage. And the minute there is a shock to it, oh my God, we need a bailout. Mm-hmm. So I think that shoppers like the the customers are going to have a different point of view about 
the speed of things versus the reliability of things. And shippers and the people who are the suppliers and the shippers are going to have to sort of have a have that plan B figured out because everybody keeps saying this is not the last pandemic that we're going to have. Yeah, it will be interesting to see the first business that's able to market around that and say, yeah, we may not be the cheapest, but we've got the cushion, we've got redundancy, we've got um, supply security and all of that stuff and turn that into a marketing advantage. Somebody yeah. will, and I'm not sure exactly what it will look like, but somebody will be thinking that. And people will pay more. I mean, you're not going to have, you're not going to have everybody. You're not going to have the huge market, but you are going to have smaller markets mm-hmm. that will, that will be okay with that. Yeah. But oh, it will yeah. be interesting because, you know, just like we point to 9-11 and say, oh, look at all these changes. This is how our lives have changed since mm-hmm. 9-11. We, we take off our shoes before we get on a plane. We The door is closed in the cockpit and all that stuff. Yeah. You can't have the door open in the cockpit. You can't go past a certain point in the air. Like you used to be able to go to a lot of different areas of the airport mm-hmm. without a boarding pass. So just, a, you know, restriction, restriction, restriction. So it'll be interesting to see what the, what we get used to mm-hmm. now that everything has changed once again. Yeah. You know? Well, going back to the, the Suez blockage, I have seen, I think in the last week, there was some story about how they're looking at plans to widen it and to, uh, to make it bigger and to realize that it should be wide enough that a ship turned sideways doesn't block the whole thing. I think that's just the, I mean, yeah, that's the, okay, that makes sense. But it shouldn't be just the width of the Suez Canal. The Suez Canal has been been fine for a while. Why mm-hmm. are there ships so massive going down it? Efficiency. Yeah, but it's not that efficient once we get, you know, what what they'll do is they'll just build bigger ships. Well, they started building bigger ships, these Supermax uh, container ships, because the Panama Canal got widened. Well, they were building them anyway, and then once the Panama Canal got widened to accommodate them, then everybody wants to go to them because they're way more efficient, and the Suez is kind of struggling to keep up. But then it's just going to be a, okay, how much wider can we make it? How much wider? And it's like building highways in the city. The more, if you build more highways, there's, it doesn't stop traffic. No, you need an alternate approach. Yeah. And there, so the alternate approach is not just making the Suez Canal wider. Okay, fine. It might be on the short term. Sure. But in the long term, what happens when the Panama Canal widens again and yeah. then the Suez Canal is falling down or maybe the Suez will widen? You know, there are other problems that are happening that can be solved before it hits the canals. Mm. There shouldn't be gargantuan ships. It's efficient, but who is it efficient for? And what, what are those unintended consequences? So what you're saying is they need drones that can carry a cargo container. And then the drones can just go from one end of that canal to the other. And you won't have to well, have there's that. I mean, I think that's what the tech boys would, would do is like, let's find something. Let's find another solution to the same problem. I think my attitude is maybe we should change what the problem is. Mm, reevaluate. Re- yeah. Reevaluate, reassess. Look you know, why, further up why does process. everybody have to have everything overnight? 
Mm. All things now must be you. The expectation is now all things overnight and it's causing issues in the trucking industry. It's causing issues in the shipping industry. Like it's just causing issues, issues because everybody wants everything right now. And if they don't get it right now, they're all like, oh, my God, the world is ending. Mm. Toilet paper, gas. Well, I wonder if that's the issue or if it's just a whole different uh, approach to the problem. And I'm sort of thinking that um, human behavior is always to want more stuff sooner. You're not going to change that. But how you solve that can be changed. Originally, it was if you want more stuff, you have to go and grow it or build it yourself. And then it became you can buy it from somebody. And it may take a while because somebody's going to need the time to make it, but they will make it and get it to you. Then it was factories to build a whole bunch of stuff. So you had selection. And now the issue is, well, we've got lots of selection, but I don't want to leave my house to get it. I want it all to come to me immediately. So somebody really just needs to reevaluate how to make that more efficient farther up the chain. So maybe, I guess that's what people are talking about with sort of local manufacturing rather than shipping it all from China, building it more, finding more efficient ways to build it nearer to where the customer is. And I guess as 3D printers and things like that, robotics get more mature, that will happen. So when you order it for delivery today, it will actually get built today down the street at the local, what used to be a distribution center, but is now a manufacturing center. And then a robot will build it and bring it to you. I think that's what I meant by reevaluate what, our hmm. expectations are. Yeah. Do we, I just thought of that now. Do we care about where, well, uh, do we, I think we should care more about where things are built and made. Hmm. And that seems to be one of those things that is going on in the U S where, you know, we should make things in America and same thing in Canada, mm-hmm. you know, Canadians kind of feed off the U S quite a bit. So where are things being made? How are they being made? Are they being made with disgusting plastic that is going to pollute some other country further down the line? Because that all of this just in time stuff doesn't even it doesn't even address the idea of what is happening in other countries as a result of our what we right. want all the plastic waste that's going to and, malaysia and the philippines yeah and the and all the electronic waste mm-hmm. and so there's no there's no consideration for that until there's an emergency so you've got manufacturing process that's not that much unchanged or still largely based on the foundation model from 200 years ago mm-hmm. using raw materials that are 60 years old that haven't been materially changed or haven't been significantly re-engineered or the re-engineered ones aren't pervasive yet. You're still relying on plastic, a sort of 1950s technology that assumes that oil is everywhere cheap and good for the world. And that you can burn it easily. (laughs) You can burn it and that there's no problem dumping all of that plastic in the ground after so all of these things need to be revisited. So. And I think that there, in some parts, I think people are. It's just that mm-hmm. they're very niche right now. Well, that reminds me of one of the sessions from the Collision Conference. Um, Vinod Kosla, longtime investor in Silicon Valley, was talking about how every part of every country's GDP is ripe for disruption. Mm-hmm. And 
there he's investing in things that are going to be making a big change in society based on modern technology and getting around anything that is invented a hundred or 200 years ago should not be in use now. And he wants to sort of get rid of all of that. So I like that big idea. ambitions. Mm-hmm. But this was not on the list of things that we were no. going to talk about at this all. Our, this was just our opening banter. Our that, opening banter. That could be the whole thing. We can be done now. <laughs> now what we wanted to talk about is the big excitement of what's finally happening after months of, prep. Boy, it's been well over a year since we started on this adventure, and that is the launch of the Diversity and Inclusion Index in a couple of weeks. Oh, is that the end of your trumpet intro there? Okay. I I thought that was quite musical. Did you like that? I did. I thought it was going to go longer. But yes. Oh, I didn't really. I mean, I'm not a trumpet player, so that's about all I can do. The Tuesday after Memorial Day, aka June 1st, we will be opening the DNI index for applications, and uh, we're very excited to see what happens with it. So, mm-hmm. a bit nervous. Yeah, um, we are doing a webinar next week uh, that will be around May. I think it's the nineteenth, whatever the Wednesday is. So next Wednesday, uh, with women in trucking, if you go to the women in trucking website, you can see you can find information about that, and we're going to be talking about basically how to get started you know how are you going to apply what is this going to be about what kinds of questions what are the dates um you know what are the awards going to be yeah and a lot of it well the dates and things we know about but the awards are still an unknown because this is really our first venture into the jungle of researching what's happening for diversity in the industry. So we don't know what we're going to be recognizing, but we know we it's are going to be a bunch of things. Yeah, we're going to be recognizing things, but it's not going to be a top 20. No, or a there top, won't It's be not a, going to be like best fleets. No. Now, there are some elements of the process that we are sort of building off of what we did with best fleets, but there's two, I think, major differences, a couple of major differences. One is that... Uh, we are going to be looking at the entire workforce, not just drivers, mm-hmm. which is a big one, a big shift for people uh, when they think about some of these things is they tend to only think about drivers or only think about non-drivers. They sort of split the company between drivers and non-drivers. And we're looking at the whole thing. But we're also going to be opening it up to private fleets as well because diversity is diversity and diversity efforts aren't things that are limited to for higher fleets or things that only private fleets can do. Everybody can do any of it. In fact, I think the private fleets may have a diversity issue um, on the driver side. I don't know that much about the office side, but I can see there being a more of an issue on the driver side because there tends to be less turnover. Maybe, yeah. So that would be very interesting. We haven't looked at any private fleets yet, so that would be an interesting one. Going back to, um, you know, things are going to be a little bit different, but we're using the same basic process. Um, we're, we have in Best Fleets, the way that our questionnaire is set up is based on kind of the driver's life cycle. And so we talk about, or the departments that affect a driver, so human resources, operations, safety, uh, not safety, uh, performance and recognition. So, but the way that we've organized the DNI is more about 
kind it's not even really the lives is more like chunks so we have um at the beginning so there's onboarding recruiting and developing people but also balancing and protecting and oh what's the last one developing no i already said developing oh. there's balancing protecting and one other one that isn't really to do with no balancing developing protecting those are the other three on attracting onboarding Something about operations. Operating. Yeah, operating. There yeah. We, and we have these lovely, um, lovely descriptors for each of the categories. Yeah. And, and each of those categories is going to be like in around 10 questions or whatever many questions there is going to be. But I think that the other, like the sort of, I don't, I don't want to call them, so like the non-departmental focused. So yeah. balancing, that's... That's going to be about how much time are people allowed to, like, how much freedom do they have in, 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 uh, and how much, um, how much can they control their own time based on the work time? Like, mm. you know, how, how does that integrate? So, so taking the old work-life balance type questions and social things and extending those into a little bit different area as well. Yeah. And it could be the work-life balance thing you think of when you think of work-life balance, you often think of parents. So if you're looking at people who are drivers and non-drivers, you know, what's the work-life balance for a non-driver? If you are mm -hmm. a working mother with small children, what does the company do? If you're working, like, is are there paternity benefits? Like if you have a, if you have a child and you're a man, like what, what is offered to you if you if you need accommodations for or if you have a different set of religious holidays, can mm -hmm. you take them uh, that kind of balancing? It's not necessarily just about parenting a child, but it's all about the differences that occur in when you have diversity in your in your organization. So we in our organization, we have a number of people who don't have the normal Christian holidays. And so. Our policy is, well, you just take whatever day off that you want to take off and, you know, we just switch your stat holidays. You can have whatever stat holidays you want. Yeah. And the benefit for us is that we get better coverage on the holidays because different people are available. Yeah. And for example, well, this is not really a diversity thing, but it's um, for Canada Day and the 4th of July. Mm -hmm. You know, we have customers on both sides of the border, so we have to cover both yeah. holidays. and. A lot of uh, Canadian, like a lot of cross-border companies have coverage on both days. And it's basically, which day off do you want? Yeah. You don't have point. to, you don't, everybody doesn't have to have Canada Day off. Yeah. And uh, that's going to be very interesting to see the kind of information that comes in. But there's another dimension to what we're looking at that I think is going to open people's eyes as well. And I think we're going to talk about this on, on the webinar. And that is what we define as diversity is much broader than what a lot of people think of. So, you know, we used to see in the best fleets program that when we asked about diversity efforts, it would be, the answer would be, well, we have some military people and I don't know how that counted as diversity, but they're sort of looking for whatever they had. Um, but we are sort of looking at diversity much more broadly and saying, yeah, it's not just gender and ethnicity. It is religious accommodations. It's ability. It's, anything that is a non-traditional or outside of the norm for your group, how are you accommodating that? And when you take that across all of those different elements of the life cycle that you just mentioned, 
it creates a very multi-dimensional series of things to look at. And so we end up with a questionnaire that looks really scary because it's all of these different areas. So uh, I expect that we're going to have to sort of uh, talk people down a little bit and say, okay, don't worry about it. We know nobody's going to do well in all of these things. You know, most people will do well in a couple and that's about it. But we have to ask about all of these things so that we can collect the information. Yeah, Yeah. capture it and try and see what's out there. We don't want to miss something that's really cool. And we've had this experience in the Best Fleets program where we only find out about something because somebody makes an offhand comment and there's a little bit in the middle of that that tweaks us. And we go, hey, what is that? And then we talk to them more about it and we find out it's this awesome thing that they're doing. And then over time, we mention it to other people and they're like, oh yeah, we do that too. And it turns out that there's a bunch of people that do this and they don't even really think anything of it because it's just what they've always done. And we've never asked the question specifically because we didn't even occur to us. So we start asking the question and then it becomes something you score and it's crazy how it evolves. I'm really interested in finding out what what is coming going to come out of this because we have a... Uh, and the questions are going to be pretty, um, I, I don't, I guess we're going to have to have a, an optional NA for, for a lot of different questions. Oh. You know what? In this case, I think it applies. Like there, you know, if you ask about, you know, what do you, what, a, like what accommodations you make for this group? And if you have no, like if it hadn't even thought about it then it's Hmm. yeah well we don't have have anybody in that group yeah so for example like what accommodations do we have for people who are blind who may be taking our courses and it's like well you kind of have to be able to see to drive a truck so yeah i think we got around that by uh, at the beginning of each section saying uh, diverse audience equals this and then each question is what are you how are you accommodating them or what are you offering for diverse audiences? So if somebody has, and and I think part of the reason we did that was to recognize that nobody's going to do well in all of these things. But if you have something for people with physical disabilities, great, put it in there. If you have something for people that need alternate religious accommodations, put it in there. If you have both, add those as well. If you have nothing, then if you have nothing in all of those, then probably you're not going to be in the program in the first place. But if you are in the program, it's because you're doing something and you want to see how you're doing. And that's one of the things that we always talk to people about is even if you're not doing very much, go through it anyway, because you'll get some value Mm -hmm. out of it. Yeah. One of the things that we're going to talk about on the webinar as well is, is the importance of doing this in cooperation with the rest of your company. Oh yeah. And that is, I mean, it's important in best fleets. If you do not have leadership um, support and engagement, I would say to get onto the top 20 leadership engagement, the more engagement there is, the better you do. Uh, If you don't have it at all, it's, it's difficult to get onto the top 20 because leadership knows they can change things really, really quickly. They can Um, They can tell you more about what's happening behind the scenes. Like, so someone who is at a lower level doesn't always know the reasoning for things or what is being worked on and things like that. So having leadership who does know is a really, really 
valuable tool. The same way, especially for this one, nothing is going to change in your organization until leadership is on board. Absolutely. That is pretty much your, and I don't want to basically tell people don't bother because I, I do want that. I just want them to recognize that it's so important. If you think, if your leadership is like, eh, we don't need, you know, this diversity stuff is overrated and you still want to go through with it just to see for your own purposes, or if you want to see if you can figure out some small thing that you can do, because there's tons of small things that you can do. Um, just be aware that if you want to win an award, if that's what you're going for, I really hope it's not. But if that's your prime, that's also a sign that you're probably not going to do well. But if you are, and if you think you do have a great culture and that is diverse and inclusive and and equitable and all kinds of that, all that good stuff, um, you uh, definitely be in it, but you don't have to be. It's a good learning process mm -hmm. as well. And Best Fleets is the same way. It's a great learning process. And even if you just did it by yourself. Yeah, and you I, I suppose. And you don't get any surveys done. Yeah, we want to, we should sort of walk that back and say, we, we're not saying don't get involved unless the whole company is, is behind you. What we're saying is you're not going to affect large-scale organizational change without everybody involved. That doesn't mean that you can't go through the process and establish your baseline, which might be all you're looking to do. And that's perfectly fine. Go through it and see. Because at the end of this, it's not just going to be about highlighting the people that are doing really well. It's going to be about sharing the things that are working and also publishing the data so that mm -hmm. people can see how are they compared to other people? How are they doing? That's a big part of the value for programs like this is looking at it and saying, okay, well, we did pretty well in these areas, but there's other places here that I hadn't considered and these people are doing really well and here's what they're doing. And the more that, um, the more that people talk about it and the more that it gets out into the press and what ends up happening is that, and this happened with Best Fleets, is that we have press stories, the best fleets themselves have press stories, all of those good practices that are, that really can be helpful and useful, get out into the mainstream yeah. and people start picking them up. They start going, Hey, you know, what about if we did more surveys? I mean, surveys were a very small percentage mm -hmm. of the, uh, of the best fleets, uh, not participate. Well, the people who were entering best fleet or the nominated for the best fleets program and we're going through the process it was a very small percentage and it was not difficult to do surveys online their survey monkey has existed forever uh, well not forever but you know for a long time but people weren't doing it and until other companies started talking about it mm -hmm. and then as more and more people start talking about it, it becomes like everybody is doing it because it's a good practice yeah it's a good way to find out what's going on in your company. And there's other practices, you know, adopting technology, how to adopt technology. That is another thing that has just been talked about and talked about so much that people are starting to kind of get it now. Yep, it's absolutely. becoming the common wisdom of the industry. And what we want to do is create a new common wisdom for the industry in terms of how to successfully ingest diversity 
into your company and make everybody happy about it. Yeah. And I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what we find, but also to see over a couple of years, what kind of things kind of emerge as the uh, successful ideas or the easy things to implement or the ones that everybody jumps onto. So that's uh, it's going to be fun to watch and see if there, you know, if there are noticeable differences. And one of the things we notice in best fleets that I think will happen here as well is that the more we talk about it and the more people start going through it and thinking about this and hearing about other things that are working, the more they develop the ability to talk about it, the ability to yeah. or to have the language to explain what they're doing. So in the best fleets, we've talked about this before that we used to see all the time open door policy because they didn't have the language to really explain what they were doing is so we've got an open door policy. We treat drivers like family. Okay. But now that you've got the maturity of going through the process a bunch of times and starting to see specifics of the things that other people are doing and comparing that you can look at it and say, okay, well, here's what we're doing. And we don't hear the open door policy nearly as much anymore. No. I expect we'll have a variation of that here. We'll start with a bunch of the probably, well, we're an equal opportunity employer would we'll take anybody. Yeah. You know, um, we'll take anybody who's qualified. Now we have tried to get around that by the way we've worded the questionnaire. Mm -hmm. And we've also at the same time tried to deal with the issue that there are some parts of North America that are naturally way more diverse than others. People that are hiring in the Toronto area are going to have a diverse workforce, whether they want it or not. <laughs> right. That's just what there is around yeah, compared yeah. to Nebraska. Right. You know, it's uh, with the people Kansas. that we talk to in, yeah, through the, uh, the Plains areas don't have the same pool of diversity in their local area to choose from. So we have written the questions to really ask specifically about what efforts you are making. So it isn't about what's coming in the door. It's about what you are doing. What are you trying to do as a business to improve in all of these different areas? And that gets around the we're an equal opportunity employer, which is really nothing. We're just following the law. Well, if you just think of, if you just think of diversity as white or, or people who are not white, that's kind of, that's only the tip of the iceberg because there's, there's some, like, I mean, it's going to, it's gender, it's gender identity mm -hmm. and gender identity, I think is a big one that's really untapped in yeah. trucking. Underreported in trucking. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, cause that's a, and also, um, ability. So people with, so you're thinking about the military. What about PTSD? What yeah. about people who are on the autism spectrum? What about people who, you know, have lost a limb, but have got their commercial driver's license? What about people who are, have a hearing impairment? What about pregnant women? <laughs> yep. You know, how are you dealing with, uh, well, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> Throw a wrench into you there. Well, I, I know why you said it. And I was, and I was just going to say pregnancy is not a disability, but that's a totally No, it's different. not. But it is, but we're not just looking at, uh, we're looking at diversity, not right. ability. Right. And, but, and also, you know, being and, black is not a disability either. Right. It's just a difference. So you can be diverse and have all white people. Like yeah. there can be diversity there. Yeah. So if you have, um, you know, transgender drivers, people who, who have a, a variety of abilities, um, people who are 
I don't know. Um, well, as you said, autism spectrum, women, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So it isn't just about how many non-white people you have, even though that is absolutely something that we want to look at. Or accommodating different religions yep. or non-religion. Yep. So, you know, that's that's something that... Yeah, do you open your driver meetings with a prayer? And or do you have a corporate chaplain? And is that chaplain, you know, what do you do for people who either don't practice a religion or a religious? Like, is that does that mean that they're not welcome in your company or do you have a different accommodation for them? Mm -hmm. Um, Do you just not speak of it? Like what happens? And that's. And when we were talking about, I think we were talking about this before, I don't remember where we were talking about, I think it was on the task force that they were talking about um, different versions of uh, like uh, Seventh-day Adventists. Uh, they needed accommodations as mm-hmm. well. And it was like, oh, it never even occurred to me that that might be yeah. a requirement. There are lots of things out there that would benefit from different accommodations in different areas. And that's what we're going to look at. I think basically it's like, do you apply the same rules to everybody no matter what? Yeah. And is that really the best way to do it? So I actually have been, you know, I'm doing the, we're working on this webinar and I, and I often do like random Google searches to get ideas and stuff like that. So I was kind of looking at, I was like, oh, should we go over the benefits of diversity again? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and so I, I did a Google search for, benefits of diversity and then i don't know what possessed me but i kind of went oh wait a minute let's do disadvantages of diversity (laughs) and i kind of i'm not sure how to put this into the webinar but my thinking there are definite disadvantages oh for sure but it's mostly it's not inherent it's mostly behavioral it's not like if you have more diversity it's going to be a bad thing overall, but the difficulty comes into it is the, and I'm going to use your word for ingesting the diversity. You were talking about ingesting new hires mm-hmm. that we have, but the same thing. Okay. So you want to diversify your workforce. What happens when, let's say you have a, the driver pool is all men and I'm going to say drivers. Cause that's what I know from most fleets. You have all men. They're all older white men. What happens if you hire Two women. What happens? Do the men automatically go, hey, great to see you. It may be okay for 80% of them, but then you have 20% who's like, I don't want to work with a woman. Women can't drive. They can't do this job. What are you talking about? You should be at home. So what do you do with that? And if you don't consider that at all, what the existing attitudes are at your own company and what's going to happen if you do increase diversity, then you're going to basically throw the diversity in, mix it all up, and then it's going to not work. It's like a new technology. Mm. If you give, so for example, before everybody had to have ELDs, if you put an ELD in all the trucks and said, okay, drivers, everybody go use that. That was a recipe for a disaster and they'd all quit. Yep. Exactly the same thing here. People don't like, they don't like sudden change. They definitely don't like sudden change and if you start saying this is what we're going to do i'm going to dump it on you it's going to be a disaster oh yeah well i've seen that directly that um and we've seen that internally here and i've seen it elsewhere if everybody is homogenous Mm 
thinks the same way, same background, you can move very quickly. Mm-hmm. And a lot of tech startups, it's all the same group of white guys from the same universities and they think all alike. So they're able to get stuff out real fast. The problem is there's all kinds of scenarios they haven't considered and it creates a ton of problems. So you can go quicker with no diversity, but you also go quicker into the problems. You don't avoid the problems. You need that diversity to bring some friction into the design process and the thinking to say, hey, well, what about this and what about that? And that slows you down initially. It slows you down in the beginning until you get used to it, but you end up with a better outcome ultimately. And and the other thing about bringing in diverse opinions and that they don't have the same background, so there's going to be different opinions, you have to consider the friction. As soon as there's different opinions, the old guard is going to be like, what? No. Mm -hmm. So there has to be an acceptance that with a new person or that who is not like you, there's going to be new opinions and you're not going to like them. So there has to be sort of a, okay, can we, can we like at least consider this idea for a second and then go through the ramifications or whatever the, you know, how it's going to play out? Can you hold that idea in your head for just, you know, five minutes? And that's where a lot of people have issues is that they can't like no that that's that's not how we, it won't work and i've heard people say like when i've made a suggestion in a meeting um not in carrier's edge because people have to at least acknowledge my ideas get like mm-hmm. here um for for obvious reasons but in other meetings um it's been like no that's not gonna work yeah. and that's it's like the silencing the silencing at the end like you, you no. Know, you can't even have that idea because we're not even going to consider it. And it silences you. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not going to make me want to be in that group ever again or try to help or try to bring my talents to uh, to another group. So when you bring diversity into a situation, you can't just cut them off at the knees. You can't say, "Okay, oh, we want we want all of you women and we want all of you you know, different religions and blah, blah, blah. But as soon as you say anything, we're going to say no. Now, that's an interesting point that I want to make sure that we are addressing through our interviews if we haven't got it through the questionnaire. Because we're asking what efforts people are making and at efforts at things like leadership and protection and professional development and all that stuff. But we also need to see somehow how are you making sure that those people have a voice in the business. Well, that's the surveys. I suppose some of it will be the surveys, but we'd like to ask what the efforts are that the company is making to ensure that that voice is heard. And then the surveys are really just validating that it is actually happening. I think, yes. What I think is going to come out is, and it's going to be the interviews where people talk about their wonderful leadership development. Mm -hmm. So we say, uh, you know, the question is going to be, who, how do people get, how do people do that? Can you, you know, can you just ask for it? Do you have to be picked? Are you mentored? Is it, you know, only, you know, how, what form does it take? Who gets to do it? And when you do it and how many people have come out of it? Like, have you, are these yeah. all, all white men? Um, have you, do you have the one token woman, uh, the one token, you know, person who's black one, you know, whatever, and see what the results are that the company 
talks about, because we ask about that in Best Fleets too. We ask about results quite a bit. Yeah, and I'm going to ask, how do you make sure that all the voices are heard and not just the loudest voice in the room? You know, when you're in that group setting, how do you make sure that it isn't just the white guy who speaks and the women and minorities naturally fall silent and in sort of fade into the background? How do you make sure that all those voices get heard? Because that's a challenge sometimes that people say, oh, yeah, well, we've got a driver committee and we got uh, great diversity on our driver committee. But then it turns out that those people rarely say anything. They're just there sort of as placeholders. And it's the loud white guy who's doing all the talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to make some people uncomfortable in these interviews. I definitely am because that's I mean, I'm not really interested in the so much in the what you say about your great diversity and inclusion. I'm going to want to know what you're doing and what and who's doing it and what they think yeah and what results we're going to look at what results people are seeing but we recognize that at this point it's an effort thing that we're looking at that's the that's the main thing step one is yes we are early days so the effort is yeah if you've been doing this for five or ten years you should have some results but in a lot of cases people have really only been serious about it for maybe two years so you may just be starting to see some results from it. And being um, like, and part of the reason that I really wanted to be part of this with, um, with women in trucking is that it's a great way to, it's a great way to talk about the issues of the lack of diversity in the trucking industry, but also the general tech industry, uh, just being a leader of a company. Like, I mean, that's really isolating as well. And it's very, there's a lot of competition that goes on and there's a lot of friction that goes on. So it'll be really nice to hear about how people are trying to break that system, mm-hmm. you know, cause I'm in the system that as a woman, I know that I'm in this system that is, I am making a lot of, accommodations if like I know that there are things that I can't do if I was a guy then so many more doors would be open to me and I'm trying to make accommodations for that so it would be so nice to to be able to listen to how other companies are doing that and trying to make it a more equitable place I my big interest is going to see where where the clumps of people are. And what I mean by that is what job roles are women given Mm -hmm. or like, where are the women in the office? Are they all, I think we're going to see a lot in, in um, dispatch in operations. I think we're going to see a few in safety. And then I think at the executive level, it's going to be all finance. I think it's probably going to be more safety and recruiting than operations, um, but definitely finance. Yeah. And maybe marketing. But oh, the yeah. social, yeah. Well, social media at, at a lower level job, yeah. like in the levels, there's going to be definitely a sort of um, a triangle shape of where the women are. You know, the women are going to be at the lower levels. And as you go to the top, there's going to be like the one token woman. Now that's kind of the easier one to uh, estimate or take a guess on, but I'm going to be curious about what about non-white people? Mm-hmm. You know, what roles are there or are there going to be clumps and clusters 
uh, or is it going to be more broadly distributed? I know that there's a lot of Spanish. Um, there's a lot of Spanish speakers in the operations area because mm. there's a lot of Spanish speaking drivers as well. So there's in that lower area, but how like how far up the chain? Like what kind of percentage are we seeing in management? Yeah. And also, like, you know, all the different, all the different things. I am really interested to see what programs people have for um, gender equality and or gender, not gender equality, but the sexuality. You know, is it spoken of? Mm. Is it, you know, do you do you participate in the pride parade in your area? Or do you have a pride parade in your area? Which is, you know, in some cases there will be, in some cases there won't. It'll depend on where you are. Mm-hmm. But I know in Canada and the U.S. are going to have some some differences in that. Well, area. that will be something that we we'll have to look at as well. Is are there places where we need to control for regional yeah, or other know. types of differences? Yeah, the controls. Yeah. Yeah, and that's something that we we figure out once we get the the raw data sets and we start going through it. We can control for the those things as we need to. So, yes. Uh, so next week we have or. I guess a couple of days after this goes out, uh, have a webinar going through a lot of that. And then a few weeks later, June 1st, the thing opens and we'll see what happens with it. Mm-hmm. So moving on to a different topic for a couple of minutes, we've talked for quite a while about DNI. Let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the exciting new uh, fuel efficiency course that you've put out, which it's not, well, it will be very, out. It's, it's a very different kind of excitement, uh, but uh, it's a complete overhaul to our fuel efficiency program. And I've had a little bit of a look. It looks kind of cool that you've got some calculators and things built in there for people to explore and play around a little bit. But uh, what did you find that's kind of different uh, about this course? There's not a lot that's different, actually. I know. I'm sorry. I've, okay. I've, I've <laughs> See you all later. It's definitely um, a better course. It's better. St- the structure is di- completely different. The whole um, we got rid of the co- the comparison between someone who gets bad mileage and good mileage. So we're doing like more. I like of a, that. I know. I always but love just, the good and bad driver characters. Yeah, it was. Every, I know <laughs> it's, it adds complexity, and sometimes it just doesn't work in the story. And. Um, yeah, and the the writer didn't want to do it. So, I mean, that's <laughs> like, that was her call. So um, she could have kept it that way, but she chose not to. So she's doing it as a driver trainer and a, and a driver talking about fuel yeah, efficiency. Okay. So what we've done is we've actually organized it into two two topics. One topic is the, the vehicle and the environment stuff, mm. the stuff you have no control over. That whole topic is just talking about you know, rolling resistance, air resistance, and and gravity, basically grade resistance. So we're talking about a little bit about the science of why you get terrible mileage on in certain times, and your mileage is great in other times. Do you have a headwind or a tailwind? But it's also to do with all of the different environmental things you can stick onto your truck. So, uh, you know, skirts and um, the things that go behind, I can't remember what they're called. Tails. Tail. Thank you. <laughs> Skirts and tails. Sure, you've worked on this course? I actually didn't. It was. You're working on it right now though, aren't you? I'm working on it, but I didn't write it. Oh, uh, okay. So this is All the right. new thing for everybody is that I'm overseeing writers now. I'm not 
you're writing. not as deeply immersed in the content. No, and I'm also doing it for five different courses in, in French and English and Spanish at the same time. So it's hard for me to jump from one to, it takes me a couple of seconds to jump from one to the other. Um, anyway, going back to my course or uh, Anna's course, uh, is the second one is all about what you can control. So what people can do is if they want to, they could just put people into the second module, which is just your behavior. So how you use the gas and the accelerator, uh, use the accelerator and the brake, um, how you should approach a hill, how uh, you should approach traffic, stop and go traffic, um, anticipating things. So the defensive driving part of it is that if you, the more smoothly you drive and the more you anticipate things and slow down more gradually, the more fuel you can, um, you can save on a journey. So that's, so all of Hmm. the different, the different bits of information are kind of the same as the old course, but it's just positioned differently. Technology is a lot different now. But it's, it's still driver behavior makes a huge difference. Go slow and go smooth. That's, that's the basic premise. So here's a question then, if the first lesson is all stuff people don't have any control over, why include it? What's the value, the educational value is just being aware of all the things that are influencing your fuel efficiency. Yeah, exactly. Like if you're driving into a headwind, then don't expect, expect you're going to use more fuel. So it's about understanding the foundation before you get to that second topic of the things you can control that you might be driving as smoothly and slowly as possible and still may face issues or still may not have great mileage because of these other things. Right. If you're on an older, you're running an older truck with no skirts and you don't have the proper space between the, the, uh, the truck and the trailer and you don't have a, a tail on the back and you have all these other things, you get poor tires or whatever, then you're going to have bad mileage no matter what. Right. And okay, like, for example, there are things like that whole thing between uh, uh, about moving the tractor and trailer close together. Well, that's kind of partially what you can't and partially what you can't. So the actual vehicle that you're driving is probably out of your control unless you're an owner operator. And even then your your trailer may or may not be right. very aerodynamic. However, you can control the positioning of like the spacing between. Sometimes, depending on the weight. Yeah, but you can, you have some control over right. that. So you don't want to explain to people that whole thing about moving it as close together as possible without saying why. Right. And saying that, you know, the air gets trapped between the tractor and trailer. And the more mm. space there is, the more air gets trapped, the more resistance. Um, the other thing is the rolling resistance. So you can't control the type of tires that you have on your truck because... Mm-hmm. That's controlled by your carrier. However, you can make sure that they are at the correct uh, PSI. Yeah. yeah, that's something you can control. Hmm. So you don't. You want to say so that topic one is about low rolling resistance tires and, and and basically and also the fact that the temperature affects your tires. And then the second topic is remember that whole thing about how your tire about the weather. Right. How climate affects your tires? Well, make sure you do, make okay. sure you check your tires. Don't check it. Yeah. So there always there's always a connection. Yeah. It's not okay. repetitive. Like it's not. We don't repeat it. No, I understand what you're doing. You, you one is the foundation of here's all of the things in the environment that make a difference, and here 
are now the things you can control in that to improve your situation. Exactly. Okay. Oh, sounds good. Yeah. Very exciting. I apparently write better than I speak because that was, <laughs> since you needed to kind of figure out what I was talking about. Yeah, you word good. I do I word good? I think when so. When right do you do? <laughs> speak so much not. The other course that we've been working on ad nauseum is hours of service. <laughs> That's every podcast I know, you could every, say that. Because every, it's like another, it's another, cor- exactly. I could do a this week in hours of service. So we have an hours of service, like I think I talked to you about it before. We have short haul and long, uh, short haul courses. So the 160 kilometer, kilometer course and a 150 kilometer course. 150 the, mile. 150 mile, sorry. Yeah. The 150 mile is now, we don't have it released, but it's been translated and we've gotten the voiceover. So it's on its way to being. Uh, Hang on, that's the Canadian one? No, it's the American in Spanish. Oh, translated in Spanish. Yes. Okay. The 160, I don't think we do. Okay. No, I think that would have to be a separate one. Um, so the Canadian course. The Canadian course is ready to go. Uh, it has been translated. We are getting it. Uh, the voiceover is we're getting it recorded on Wednesday. So that should be so both of those courses should be ready to go by the end of uh, in a couple of weeks. Okay. So I think the end of next week. Um, so I'm going to put the the English one live today and then French will come after so, but I also discovered or rediscovered that we have an Alberta only course that, uh, so I got some voiceover for that. Come on, no. Alberta. I know. Get with the proper I rates. think all of the provinces have slightly different regulations when you only travel within the province, but we had someone request it ages ago, so that's why we had it. Most of them, the only difference is labeling of things. Oh, okay. They adopt like the schedule A and schedule one. And yeah, or cycle one versus yeah. like one, two. Or Alberta like doesn't have cycles. No, but they, dun, dun, dun. they didn't do any of the new, the new regulations in 2006 or whenever it was. And they still haven't as far as I can tell. Yeah, they're still clinging to the past. But that's okay. I, you know. I, I just am doing so much hours of service. What's yeah. one more thing? And I think Tiffany just is just, unending. her head is spinning with, Oh, and there's more, Tiffany. There's more, Tiffany. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but Anna, who's one of our new writers, she did some of the Canadian Hours of Service course. And um, yeah, so we, and Berenice's been doing the Spanish, uh, the Spanish translation, not doing the translation, but putting it online. So she has some, some idea. Um, but the other courses, we've got exercise that is going to be good it's going to be a good course and it's going to be coming out in a couple of weeks. Um, I need to get voiceover for that, but a lot of our animations and things are done. Um, and we've got drug and alcohol, a revamp of that. I just sent that out for voice part of that. And the other one I'm, it's going to be going to voice soon. So there's going to be a bunch of stuff like happening in, in June for sure. Wow. Well, a good chunk of that will be out before June as well. So yeah, I was busy for the next couple of months. Ours is Service of Canada. Yeah, that'll be out. Um, well, and fuel. And fuel, yes. Yeah. So you're going to have a bunch out this month and more coming after that. Mm-hmm. So very good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think we should wrap it up there. Then let's wrap it up. We're wrapping it up now. Okay. Bye, everybody. Have a good day. Have a great day, everybody. 
Thank you.